Right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We bless you. We ask and we say, Revelation knowledge flows freely, unhindered and uninterrupted. Our minds are fixed on your love. Our heart is stable in your grace. We can comprehend and build the mysteries of Christ clearly. And together as a church, we'll see Jesus glorified and we edified. There is no confusion in this atmosphere. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, what is forgiveness of sin? John 3 16. Like I told you before, don't get familiar with the scriptures that you've known John 3 16 and you can quote it. It doesn't mean you cannot open your Bible anymore to see it again. That is just being a good Christian. A good Christian means even though you can quote the whole chapter often, you know it often, there is just a culture, there is just a practice, there is just an honor you give to the written word. That when you open it, you just read it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish and have everlasting life. And I've since explained to you that that is basically the character of God in demonstration. How that God gave his son to humanity and he gave his only begotten son. I can tell you today for a fact that Jesus is the solution to the problem of humanity, the gospel, the facts of the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Christ is the solution to the problem of humanity. And I can tell you for a fact that everyone, like we are studying forgiveness of sins, if everyone can understand what forgiveness means, if all believers can understand what forgiveness means, there will be, the, I believe, People will walk in their rights and privileges. I believe people will walk well. People will understand and have a culture of how to live in their daily living. So we've been studying forgiveness of sins and we've studied the gospel in forgiveness of sins. We've seen um we've seen the gospel in forgiveness of sins. We've seen that forgiveness of sins can be seen in Mark 16 verse 15 oh, oh like the great commission Mark 16 15 where it says go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation and he that believeth is baptized and is saved and he that believeth not is damned we've seen in Luke 24 verse 47 and it says and repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name among all nations and I've told you everyone Ensure you don't thwart the gospel of Christ. Ensure you don't twist it. Ensure you don't tell people, oh, come and believe the gospel and you will have money. Ensure you don't come and tell people. Ensure you don't preach a gospel that give people a, a false, a false belief. Ensure you teach where. That is why discipleship, evangelism takes time. You have to walk your way through. There's no rushing. You watch your way through. You explain to the person, oh, this is what Jesus has done upon salvation. Oh, this is what has happened upon the cross or upon, upon what you believe. This is what has happened. You take your time when you're discipling people. It's not a rush. It's not a tea party. You're handling men. Men's life is in your hands. You're handling men. So you have to teach them well. Look at, and I explain to you in Acts 2 verse 38 in the sermons, they preached the same thing, the same instruction Jesus gave to them. Jesus gave them an instruction. Jesus gave all his disciples an instruction in Mark 16. He gave the disciples an instruction in Mark 28. He gave the disciples an instruction in Luke 27, Luke 25, I mean, Luke 24. But the renditions were different and i've explained to you the renditions were different it's just like their own summary of what they, it's just like saying okay 
all of you now listening to me now what is your own summary of what you can take so that is how much you put down his own that is how luke puts down his own that is how mark puts down his own so we're let, let's just see for emphasis look at luke it says luke 24 verse 47 and repentance and remission of sins should be preached in the name of in his name among all nations beginning at jerusalem and it says repentance and remissions and i've told you that that remission of sins is called aphesis forgiveness of sins and now in act 2 when peter was to preach the bible says act 2 verse 38 and peter said to them repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus for the remissions of sins and ye shall receive the holy ghost peter preached the same message he didn't twout it he didn't he didn't add anything to it he didn't give it his own idea it simply stuck with the message look at at five at five for to give at five verse 30 at five verse 30 at five verse 30 for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins and I explained to you that what repent simply refers to a change of mindset or a perception in this regard it means changing your mindset from Christ so when we say repent of your sins to repent of these things we are not saying go and confess all your sins we are not saying go and now start shouting oh Jesus oh Jesus this and that no we are simply saying change your mindset quit thinking the way you were thinking and now adjust your perspective to this ways it's just the same way when you get somebody said when you teach somebody the gospel and you say jesus died jesus was buried jesus rose again what happened to the person was the person's mindset changed that oh the person quit thinking what he was thinking before the question quit thinking Oh, there was no Jesus before. The question quit thinking there was no this before. His mindset simply adjusted to the reality and the truth of God's word. And that's been that's salvation, that's being born again. Changing their hearts to the to the mind of the gospel. So uh, we've studied, I've showed you at 13, I've showed you, you can get the previous series. Uh, we've studied forgiveness of sins in the Old Testament. I've showed you Micah 7, Micah 7, 18, where it says, Cast all our sins into the depth of the sea. And I explained it's, it's an explanation of forgiveness of sin. I explained Jeremiah where it says, Remember that when the Lord said in the book of Hebrews, I will remember their sins no more. It means, how it's from the Greek, the Greek word for remember means mimnesco, M-I-M-N-E-S-K-O. It means I will not consider, I will not talk about it. It will not come in our discussion. So sin will never come in your discussion. It will never come in your conversation between God and man. This is the good news. I don't believe that you go tell some i don't understand the gospel where you preach to somebody today and you say your sins are forgiven go the lord has forgiven you then tomorrow you come and say well brother your sins are not really forgiven you still have to do something you still have to confess that is that is not an almost good news but the good news is static that is it, it remains the same yesterday today and forever the fact that jesus died jesus buried jesus rose again and he died and forgave our sins so when we are forgiving sin is no longer a discussion with us again we don't necessarily we can't go to the father on the basis of us being a sinner like i was saying yesterday when i was teaching the power of the gospel get that message 
it will never be said of you again in your life as far as you have believed the gospel that you are a sinner it will never be said again what will be said of you to the rest of your life is oh you are the righteousness of god in christ jesus oh you are the beloved you are accepted in the beloved oh you are you are redeemed you are forgiven that, that's your reality that's you are redeemed i think you need to say those things let it dawn on you more i am perfect in according to his works according to what he did i am the righteousness of god in christ jesus i am forgiven i am accepted in the beloved oh glory to god i am accepted in the beloved i am forgiven sin is no longer an issue between me and the father anymore it's no longer an issue and that is the reality of the believer our sins are forgiven forgiven it is taken care of is done i showed you the gospel in david how the gospel was preached through david how david preached the gospel and there was something i was explaining last week and i think i need to just explain it more one more time again before we continue and that was in first peter uh first peter for first peter wait give me a second First Peter verse three to eighteen. First Peter three eighteen. First Peter three eighteen. Let's open again there. First Peter three eighteen. It says, "For Christ, as one suffered for our sins, for the just, the just for the unjust, that it might bring us to God, being put in death, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit." I'll read it again. First Peter three eighteen. First Peter three eighteen. For Christ also at once suffered for sins. For the just, the just for the unjust, that it might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by his spirit. The, and I explain that the word once in that place where it says for Christ at once, the word once is from the Greek word called apas, H-A-P-A-X. It means not again, not anymore. So when you see, you know, when you read in the book of Hebrews, that word once keep reoccurring many times. It says, Christ has once has perfected us once and for all. Once this and that. He has given us an eternal once and for all. That word once is from the book called Apas. It means not anymore. Not again. It refers to something that happened once, never to happen again. It's just the same way you believe the gospel once. There is nothing like you rededicating your life to Christ. You have believed the gospel once. You can't believe twice. You only, you what happened to you was only you didn't acknowledge as much as you need to acknowledge, and you just, or you weren't taught well, or you weren't discipled well. That is why you you went back into all those things you say you were doing, and you now say you needed to rededicate your life to Christ. You you believe the gospel once. Christ has come into your heart once. So now, in this text now, just to stay in context in this text now, for Christ has once died for our sins. So Christ has once, that is, not again. Christ is not going to die again. He's not going to do what he did again. He has done that thing he did once, not to do it again. And that once he did it, he did it well. So he has, so he says, for Christ has once suffered for our sins, for the just, the just for the unjust, that it might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. 
The word once is from the Greek called apas, used 11 times in the Greek Testament. It was used 11 times in the Greek Testament. It means literally not again, not anymore. It refers to something that happened once, never to happen again. Now, the phrase bring us, where it says, bring us, in that same text, bring us. It says, for Christ has once suffered for us, for the just of the Lord, that he might bring us. So that word bring us was translated from the Greek of prosago, prosago, P-R-O-S-A-G-O. It means to create an access to God. So when it says we have, he has brought, he bring us. So it means he created an access. He created a path. He created a pathway to God for us. He has bring us. So Jesus, by the reason of what Jesus has done, we have access to God. We can't come and say, you know, how, you know, in those old traditions, maybe in, in old churches, or no, let me say old churches. I'm sorry to use that word, but let me say in churches today, you hear things like opening prayer, let's ask God for forgiveness of our sins because if we not forgive God, God cannot hear us today. Everybody, this this what happens. You first thank the Lord, you first thank the Lord, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. You know, when you gather together in church, you say, Oh, let's give God the praise, thank Him, thank Him, thank Him for today. We're blessing, we're blessing, we're blessing. Then I say, Next is like a routine. The next thing will not be, Let's ask God for forgiveness of sins. Everybody will not start saying, The sins that I sinned, the sins that I sinned in my past. The sin that I've seen in my present, sin that I'm going that I'm even going to see. They will say sin of error, sin of commission, sin of omission, sin, sin in my thoughts, sin in my thinking, and sin in my heart. Oh, sin and sin and sin and sin. Sin that I see, sin in my sin, sin in my thinking, sin in my hearing. Oh, sin, Father, forgive me. Everybody will start begging God and begging God for forgiveness. After that, then I say, now ask God for whatever you want. <laughs> ah, so we've taken God to be. Um, to be a traditional ruler, no, it's not. It's not like that. When it says he bring us in that text, where it says, it says, for Christ has once suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that the just for the unjust, that it might bring us to God. Bring us to God means we now have a direct access to our Father by the reason of what Jesus did. So when we believe the gospel, we are seized from saying, Oh, Father, forgive us our sins and all of those things. We now have access to our Father any day, any time. And that is why we can enjoy. That's why we teach a lot of tongues a lot. That's why we can enjoy the benefit of tongues. Because tongues is a better way of assessing the Father and talking to the Father any day, any time with no rehearsed speech, with no saying, Oh, he, this grammar, am I getting it wrong? Am I you can be driving and talking to your Father. You can be coming, you can be texting and talking to your Father. You can be even be watching. TV, sorry to say, I'll be talking to your father. And just by tongues. That is the same, that is the way God has made it easier for his children to assess him. So via the resurrection, via what Christ did upon the resurrection, he brought a direct access to us. Oh, glory to God. I thought you are screaming in wherever you are saying, Glory to God. That is that is the gospel. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. It says to bring us, prosago, prosago, to bring us. That means by what Jesus has done, we now have access to God. The phrase being put to death in the flesh. Now, let's see the phrase being put to death in the flesh. Where it says being put to death in the flesh, 
but quickening of the spirit, being put to death in the flesh, refers to his suffering. Be put to death in the flesh refers to his suffering. His suffering in the physical flesh. That is, when he was alive, when he was being beaten, when he was being crucified, what he suffered, three days and three nights. Those things, we say, being put to death in the flesh is suffering. You can see the same explanation in 1 Peter 4 1. That being put to death, being put to death in this flesh. The same explanation is in 1 Peter 3 4 verse 1. 1 Peter 4 verse 1 where it says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Oh shoot. Harm yourself like Christ with the same mind. For he had suffered in the flesh and ceased from sin. Wow. What a great God we serve. He has suffered for us. So he has so it refers to his suffering, what he did for us in his flesh. So in our says, now let's look at the phrase quickening by his spirit. In that first, don't forget our major text, what we're still studying, what we're still seeing right now is first Peter 3:18, where it says, For Christ also has suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that it might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit. And the word quickening means to make alive. Quickening means to make alive. Huh? To make alive. So let me explain to you that word to make alive. Peter explained this text. That Christ has suffered as a man for us. In his resurrection, he gave us a spiritual reality. Upon the resurrection of Christ, we have a spiritual reality. That is, there is a quickening. A life by the Spirit. That life we have by the Spirit now give us access to God. Let me explain what I'm saying. When Peter was saying, it is quickening by the Spirit. You will read a lot of that quickened by the Spirit in Romans 8. You can read Romans 8 for your further references when I'm done. Romans 8, the middle story, said, be quickening. Say, we, he said, let me just show you some things. In fact, let's go there. Romans 8. Let me show you what happened to you at salvation. Because quickening means to make a life. And I tell you today, an unbeliever doesn't have a life. That is why it is wrong to use the phrase, I gave my, I gave my life to Christ. You didn't have a life. You didn't have a life before you received the gospel. You didn't. See, learn to see the unbeliever the way he is. Yes, they are alive today in the natural, but they are a walking dead man. <laughs> See, we, we cannot be, we can't sugarcoat this word. The reason why we can't sugarcoat it is because you, so that you can have an urgency to preach the gospel. We can't sugarcoat it and say, but they are still alive. Oh, let's pity them now. Let's give them the benefit of doubt. No, a man who hasn't believed the gospel is dead. Is deader than dead. He's only waiting for a physical manifestation of his body to be dead. I was studying last week and I, and, and, and I got to a point and I was like, wow. I was studying something last week about something about the physical body and something happens to us. I discovered that this our body is more, is more, is more, let me say, let me say is more, uh, it is the thing, it is this our body that needs the resurrection and needs the glorification. 
someone who dies a believer does not die he's only sleeping what is sleeping his body is the one that is sleeping i will explain this in years to come this is this is not something you should bother your head with i just want to just show you an example yes to come yes to come is a, is a foundation we'll be with on and we'll, we'll dig on into this later the physical body is sleeping the physical body is the one that sleeps that is what happens to the believer it is the physical body that sleeps not that he died so when we say he is sleeping when we say a believer is sleeping it is actually the physical body that is sleeping <laughs> so when we say jesus is coming back on the resurrection or is coming back again on the last day that we say and upon the resurrection that there will be a resurrection of body or a glorification of the body that is why it's called the glorification or the resurrection of the body because it is the body that will be awake the spirit doesn't die because the believer is a spirit man learn to call yourself i'm a spirit being i'm a spirit being i'm a spirit being i'm a spirit being learn to see yourself as that reality i'm a spirit being i have the life of god in me that is what christ has done i'm not trying to preach you good i'm only trying to tell you your reality in christ Look at Romans 8, Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 11. It says, but the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it says, dwells in you. Glory to God. I think in years to come, we will unravel these things as God give us more light. It says, but the spirit of him that raised Jesus to come, that raised Jesus, that raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. He shall raise up Christ from the dead. And shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Are you getting what I'm saying? When I say when I'm saying it is your body that dies, or your body that is sleeping, I mean, sorry to use that word. So when the believer dies in the sense of which we call it today, actually it doesn't die. It is actually the physical body that is sleeping. That is why the body gets decayed, the body gets cremated, the body gets everything. It is the body that dies. That is why it says, it is that same spirit <laughs> that we now quickening that mortal body back to life. So what happens to you when you receive the gospel is that you receive eternity of life. You receive an endless life. A life, a life. See, let me show you a figurative example. Look at what happened to Elisha. When Elisha died, the Bible says they put a dead body upon the body of Elisha. And by the time the dead body spark up on Elisha, the body jet back to life. That is an, a figurative example from the Old Testament to show what a kind of life we have. That's to tell you that Elisha, in the figurative essence of the Old Testament, didn't physically die. His body was only sleeping, but he has the resurrection of life in his body. Oh, glory to God. I trust God for more light. We'll, we'll study all of those things in, in years to come. I don't, that's not the essence of my, of my teaching today. So I'm just going to stop there. Trust God in years to come. We'll dig more into this, this thing. Probably we'll call it, we'll call it new bodies. We'll call, the teaching will be called new. I think I should teach on that. Because it will be new, new, new Soma, the resurrection of the body. Soma is going to, I will just title it Soma. That is bodies. What, what happens to the body? What's, what's going on? So, you see, because as you study more, as you progress in knowledge, that's why a believer, you need to keep progressing in knowledge. You need to keep studying the word. You need to understand much of your reality of what God has done in Christ Jesus. And when you come to those full truths, I'm telling you, all you will just do is just lift your hands and just thank God. 
and say, glory to God. What is man? What have we done to deserve this? So what happens to the believer is that he receives life. So he says, but he has quickly, and therefore, now let me show you what I've Look at Ephesians 2. Let me show you your state before you receive the gospel or before somebody receives the gospel. So when he says, our bodies were quickened. Let me show you what happened. Look at Ephesians 2. Our state, the state of an unbeliever, not you anymore. The state of an unbeliever. Look at Ephesians 2 verse 1. And you are quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. So that is, what happens to the unbeliever when you preach the gospel to him? When he repents, you know the remedy of repentance. When he changes his mind, what happens now? His body is quickening. He received a quickening of the spirit. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. They were dead. They didn't have a life. So why would you preach the gospel? Why should the urgency of the gospel spread? Even if you have a family member who hasn't believed the gospel, don't pity the person. Listen, good morals. That somebody has a good moral <laughs> doesn't mean the person is saved. That somebody can give and somebody is is all good, so kind. Ah, the person is so good. You know, we, we use our sentiments to attach all of these things. The person is just too good. Ah, the person is so kind. The person is so the person is so down to earth. The person is so loving. If the person doesn't believe the gospel, the person has no life. <laughs> Let me use the word of Peter. The person has no lot or part in this matter. <laughs> the person has no life. The person has no future. The person is actually dead. His body is dead. His <laughs> spirit is dead. Nothing. <laughs> oh, glory. See, we need to... There is an urgency to preach the gospel. You need to. You need to get into the bait. Get men saved. Get men filled with the Holy Ghost. Get men, let them walk with their reality. There is no special people qualified for the gospel. There is no special people qualified to preach. There is no special people qualified to say, I need to be a pastor before I preach. You are joking. Stop saying those type of... This is 2020. Stop saying those, those kind of things again. I need to... I think I need to be called before I preach. The gospel, no, don't stop. Stop doing those things. The very moment you believe the gospel, that very day you believe the gospel, that day you were qualified to preach. The Bible says in Mark 2 28, it says, Go into the world. No, my, my, um, it says, All power in Matthew 28, verse 18, all power in it in, in heaven and on earth is given to me. And that says, Go into the world, preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Ghost. In Mark 16, the same, the same instruction. The very moment in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5 made us to understand we receive the ministry of reconciliation. The very microseconds you got born again, that very minute you were qualified to preach. So if the person that you that finished preaching to you leaves and go home, you can even stand up and go and teach the same thing you received. <laughs> That's how good this gospel is. Glory to God. Glory to God. So we receive life upon salvation. And that is forgiveness of sins. We receive forgiveness of sins upon salvation. So look at Ephesians. It says, You are to quicken who were dead in trespasses of sins. Wherefore, you walked in time past. Wherefore, you walk according to the cause of this word, according to the prince of the power of the year, the spirit that walked in the children of disobedience. That's not you. Among whom we all had our conversations in time past and the loss of the flesh, fulfilling desires and the nations of the mind. Wherefore, by nations of wrath, even as others. That's not your reality. And that's his book. God, who is rich in mercy 
and great love where he has loved us. He says, where, when we were dead in sins, had quickened us together. That is, he had made us alive together with Christ. So when he says we are quickened, we are made alive together with Christ. By grace, you are saved. And you raised up together to see the name with heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And as it's in ages to come, that in ages to come, he might show the exceeding greatness of his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. So, as believers, we have received life. And that life gives us. So, that is, there is forgiveness of sins. And we started the series, we started already last week explaining forgiveness already. And we said, so let's move forward. And we said, the word forgiveness is translated from the Greek word called aphesis. Aphesis, it implies freedom liberty or a release from so we are we are answering the question don't forget we've been studying the series what is forgiveness of sins and we are we are getting to where we are going gradually forgiveness means is from the greek called aphesis a-p-h-e-s-i-s aphesis it implies freedom liberty or a release from so jesus used the word aphesis for deliverance i explained this to you last week jesus used the word aphesis for deliverance that's why you will see in luke 14 18 this is the text that deliverance ministers those people they call deliverance ministers is to use <laughs> that they think that they are giving they, they're giving them a special ministry of deliverance well <laughs> let's see what proper deliverance means from the scripture luke 4 18 the spirit of the lord is upon me he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the look for 18. Don't forget, look for 18. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive. So people will say, deliverance is preached. It's not something. After the Nazareth, the Nazareth, you'd see me deliverance. Deliverance is preached, yes, because it is the forgiveness. Deliverance there is the word aphesis. It means forgiveness. And the word aphesis means to set free. So King James Version was the one who used it as the word deliverance. Are you getting what I'm saying? King James used it as the word deliverance. So the word aphesis means set free. So when we say we are forgiven, what does it mean? I am set free. Then we're still on the ravel. What are we set free from? Let's just, just follow carefully. So aphesis was similarly translated to as the word remission. So you will see in Luke 24. Verse 47, where it says, and remissions of sin should be preached. So you see, that was remissions of sin. Remission simply means the same word, aphesis. So anyway, you see remissions, even in the, even in the book of Acts, you will see in Acts 2.38, Acts 3, Acts 5, Peter kept, they kept using the word remissions. Remission simply means aphesis too. It simply means forgiveness, set free, take away from or clear the account of. So when it says, I am forgiven, it means my account was clear. It's just like if I owe a debt, or it's just like the way some of us we hold student loans, and it says we are forgiving. Forgiving means we're set free from that loan, from that debt, never to pay it again. Well, I believe God that some of us supernaturally by God's spirit, some loans will be forgiven. Praise God. Amen. The word aphesis. Is translated by his verb. So the word aphesis is translated by his verb, apiemi, which means to send away or to let go. Okay. The, I think there was somebody, you had, I think you had trouble. I think the way I just said the student loan, something like that, you are troubled with it and everything. 
I, I, there's comfort, there's peace. I believe God that there is abundance, there is a supernatural way. I don't know how it will happen, but I believe in the supernatural that your needs are met, your bills are paid, there is abundance of resources, and things are caused in turn for your favor. And those debts, those those loans, those things, those those huge amounts you're owing, they will be paid off in the name of Jesus. Amen. I believe the I believe in the miraculous. Praise God. All right, let's continue. Let's continue. Let's continue. Forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins. I just believe that's for someone. Forgiveness of sins. So the word Ephesus is translated from the from the verb apiemi. Apiemi. It implies to send away. Or to let go from a consequence. I'm explaining it gradually. Follow carefully. The word aphesis is explained by the verb. A-P-M-E. H-P. A-A. Sorry. A-P-H-I-E-M-I. H-P-A-P. Oh, what's doing me with H? A-P-H-I-E-M-I. It is. The, that's the verb of aphesis now. It's implies to send away or to let go of a consequence also another shade of the word forgiveness you can find another shade of the word forgiveness is in the greek word charizomai charizomai is from the greek word charizomai another shade of the word forgiveness that is if you want to see it in another way if you want to see forgiveness in another way now it can be explained in the greek word charizomai ch A-R-Z-O-M-A-I. C-H-A-R-Z-O-M-A-I. C-H-A-R-Z-O-M-A-I. Charizomai. It's it's simply used as an adjective to explain the verb of the word forgive. Charizomai. That's where we derive the Greek word charis. That's where we got charis from. It simply means... To freely give without condition. To give without condition. To graciously give or grant or an act of benevolence, favor. It's, it's used to explain a release without the person freed or the person pain. Something like that. That's what charisma it means. Something that is freely giving. Graciously giving. An act of benevolence, something we call favor, so that, to explain a release without a freedom person pain. That is, somebody was holding something and the person just got free from it. That's why our text we have been using John 3 16. For God so loved the world that He gave. That's a free giving. Oh, that's not in line with this, though, but we'll, we'll see where it, where it falls in place. Um, let's examine. The, where, where charizomai was used in the scripture. Let's see where charizomai. So you can get a proper use of what I'm explaining this charizomai or this charis. What, where it was used in the scripture. Look at Acts 3.14. You can write this down for your reference. Acts 3.14. It says, But ye denied the only one and the just and, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. So that word granted, that is the murderer was released freely. So that word granted is the word charizomai, that is to freely give without condition, to give, to release somebody from something. So a murderer was freely released. So at 3.14, but you deny the only one, 
the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Is the so Peter was relaying the story of what happened um in those pilots where they say crucify him and all of those things. Peter was relaying those stories, using those things to explain the gospel to teach them and preach the gospel for them in this act 30 year. So now look at Acts 25. Acts 25 verse 11. You will see the Acts 25 verse 11. For if I be an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, Acts 25 verse 11. If I be of an offender or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things, wherefore this accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them, I appeal unto Caesar. So where it says, no man may deliver me unto them. That is where the word charizomai is used there. Look at Acts 27, 14. Acts 27, verse 14. God has given thee. So God has given thee charizomai, charizomai. Look at Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Charizomai, charis, charis. That is to give graciously or grant or an act of benevolence favor is often used to explain a release without without the freed person pain a release without the freed person pain look at first corinthians 2 12 i'm still explaining what carries on mind now showing you where it was used in scriptures first corinthians 2 12 now we have received not of the spirit of this world but the spirit wishes of god that we might know the things that are freely given to us of god Freely given to us of God. It is used to describe things that are freely given. Carries your mind. Carries. Carries. Second Corinthians 2 7. Second Corinthians 2 7. So that the contrariwise, ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one, such a one should be swallowed up with over much sorrow. To forgive him. To forgive. To forgive him means to grant. To grant to him, to grant to him. Look at Second Corinthians two ten. Second Corinthians two ten. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, whom I forgive it, for your sake also I forgive it in the person of Christ. <laughs> I like that test. That's carries. That's carries. Look at Galatians three eight. Galatians three eighteen. I mean Galatians three eighteen. For if the heritage be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to the person. Or God gave it to Abraham by promise. Carries, carries, carries. But Abraham by promise gave it. Look at Ephesians four thirty two. And be tender, being kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ said, has forgiven you, forgiving one another. Look at Philippians one twenty nine. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him. But also to suffer for his sake. To suffer for his sake. To, it is giving. It is giving. It is giving. Charizomai. Philippians 2 9. Wherefore, God had highly exalted him and given him a name. Charis. Giving him a name which is above all names. I'm showing you where this text, where Charizomai is used in the scripture now. Or Charis. Look at um, Colossians 3 13. To, if you're bearing one another. Colossians 3 13. For bearing one another. And forgiving one another. If any man has a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so do ye forgive you. Look at Philemon 122. 
Philemon 1 22. But we that prepare me also a lodging for I trust that your prayers I shall be given unto you. So, therefore, now see the word charisma when used for God describe how we are forgiving of God and released freely from the consequences of sin. So, when we say we are forgiving now, it shows that we have been released freely, even from the consequences of sin. That is why there is nothing called karma. Don't think that because a Boko Haram or an ISIS killed somebody all of those days, that's your own mentally, worldly, sensual, anger way of thinking. That, oh, he's a Boko Haram, he killed somebody. Oh, he's born again, he will not still escape. <laughs> God does not hold record of evil. We have been released freely. <laughs> That's the graciousness of the gospel. So, when you meet a shame smoker, when you meet a prostitute, when you meet a rapist, when you meet anyone around the world, just teach them the gospel. They are freed from the consequences of sin. And it is not going to count on their record. The, it's not going to count on their record again. God doesn't hold them accountable for that again. The big question you ask me is, so, uh, this is, you will ask me, so what happens to the world where that's a natural consequence? What happens to them, this and that, is a natural consequence. But that God is not the one saying, you must read, you must pay, oh, my son. Now, I know you are believer, oh, but you must still pay for all the past things you have done. That's not the gospel you believed. People will tell you, I've, I grew up understanding in church those times. I used to teach it. I'll tell you, oh, you are saved. I'll tell you, I'll make sure you are saved. You are saved now. Don't think that yesterday you stole something in your house. You will go freely. Don't think like that. God will still deal with you. No, that's not the God we serve. This is the reason why Muslims, atheists, all of these guys find it difficult to accept our gospel because we give a cross and a wicked attribution to God. God is not wicked. God is not evil. He doesn't even think evil. He can't do evil. His all sole aim is that people just get saved. The Bible says in 1 Timothy, it says that the will of God for every man is that they will believe that everyone will be saved. That's God's plan. So when you are saved, you are released. So when you have received salvation now, you have been freely given forgiveness of sins and that is you have been set free. Charizomai, don't forget what we are explaining now. Charis, you have been set free even from the consequences of that action. So there's no... So you say karma? No. It's not for the believer in Christ. You see, um, what goes around comes around. Don't think you cannot eat your cake and have it. That's not for the believer in Christ. <laughs> like I told you, the word I will not remember, Mimesco, remember where we started from. I will remember their sins and iniquity no more. I will not consider it. It will not come to our discussion. It will, it will, not, it will not come between our us. So when you are talking to your father, talk to your father on a clean sheet. 
on a righteous base. Don't go and say, Father, I know I am not worthy. My, my friend, if you are not worthy, go and get born again. Don't stop saying all those, saw those words. You say, you say, I just want to be humble. No. In fact, let me explain this. If you don't call yourself what God has called you, that's pride. Pride is actually acting on the world. This thing we call, the guy is just calm, is humble. No, that's the word definition of humble. We'll still see. Well, we know we have a lifetime to study together, so don't be in a rush. We have a lifetime to study. We'll see all of these things. No, that's not humble in the world, though. Humility is saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am accepted in the beloved. Humility is when you even speak in tongues. That's humility. Acting on the word. Calling what God has called you. Saying what God has said about you. When you start saying, Lord, I am not worthy. I am not worthy. Who would have deserved this? That is pride. Because you have changed your status to not see what God has called you. You are now calling yourself what you want to call yourself. That's pride. That's you rebelling against God's word. If you don't know today. So be bold to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am forgiven. My sins are forgiven. When you even start asking God for forgiveness, that shows you don't trust in his word. Forgive me. I know, I am that said, we are forgiven, you know, this and that and that, but um, the guy is just, you know, the guy just talks too much. Just, he just like all this talking, 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 explaining Greek text, charizomai, all of these things. What concerns me? Me, me, it is my own conversation with me and my father. My father is my father. Nobody can father my father for me. My, nobody can father my father for my father. <laughs> you're not gonna need that you're not gonna say i want to ask for forgiveness brother sister you've received forgiveness of sins upon salvation we received it upon salvation so it says tarizomai we are forgiven we have been f- released freely. I think we'll stop here for today. So next week we'll study the tenses of forgiveness in the epistles. Tenses of forgiveness in the epistles. Then we'll not link it to how we can forgive one another. How do we walk in love? We'll link the forgiveness of sins to our love walk. How do we walk in love? Then, now that Christ has forgiven us, how, how should we show that to people? How, how does it reflect in our daily lives? How does it see? How do we see it? You know, people, you know, many of us believers will like, how can we manifest it? What is the practicality? We'll see it. <laughs> we'll now see the practicality of how God has forgiven us. But before that, I need this cautiousness to dawn on you. That you are forgiving. Forgiving means you are set free. You are no longer bound. You are no longer head captive. I like a psalm on a song that Pelumi gave some years ago. It said, I'm no um, 
um, there is no condemnation for them which are in Christ. There's no condemnation for them which are in Christ. Because I'm not bound by the law. I'm not bound by sins. I'm not bound by sins. I'm not bound by the law. I'm not bound by sins. I'm not bound by sins. Because I'm free. I am free. I am free. Because I'm free. I am free. That is our reality. That is our reality. We are not bound by sins. We are not bound by shames. We are not bound by the devil. When the devil brings a sin conscious mentality into your head, remind him of his future. <laughs> when, he, when he reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. When the devil reminds you of your past, hey guy, maybe you want to pray for the sick or you want to do something. It reminds you, remember yesterday, oh, you did something, oh, this and that and that and that, oh, this and that. Remind him, you devil, you know you are going to air fire too. You know they are still you are a defeated foe. You know you are still gonna be your works are still gonna be destroyed. Oh, you know you have a limited time. Remind him of the future. We are free from sins. We have been made alive to God. Wherever you are, just worship the Lord this evening. Worship him, thank him for what he has done in Christ Jesus for you. Learn to call him what you call yourself, what God has called you. Just worship him wherever you are. Thank him. Unmute yourself. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him. There is no condemnation for us which are in Christ. Because we are not bound by the law. Just sing and just bless him. Bless him. We are not bound by chains. We are not bound by our sins. Because we are free. We are free, we are free, because we are free, we are free. Just bless him, thank him. Sing it, the Holy Ghost, bless him, thank him. Oh, sister, sister, break the frost, sister, the hearts. If you have the opportunities to lift your hands wherever you are, just lift it up and just bless Him. Thank Him. Oh, bless Him. Bless Him this evening. Bless Him. Oh, we bless you for what you've done in Christ Jesus for us. Oh, we are free. We are free. We have the forgiveness of sins. We are set free, even from the consequences of sins. Oh, we bless you. Oh, we bless you. We bless you. Bless him. Bless him. Thank him. Bless him more. Bless him more. See yourself. Call yourself what God calls you. That you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are accepted in the beloved. You receive the ministry of reconciliation. You are forgiven. You are set free. You are not held bound. You are not held, you are not held old under captives anymore. Oh, Sesgrave Hartis. Can't cross in the mouth. You are set free. You are set free. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We are free. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We are 
are free. We are free from sins. We are free. Oh, the devil has no hold over us anymore. Oh, glory to God. Glory!